0: This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter. Visit enterpriseinspace.org. This is Walter Koenig, off from Star Trek, and you're listening to Trek FM. our business.
1: It's like nothing we've dealt with before.
0: My golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the
1: laws of physics. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I am Kent, Tre- and I am Zach Moore, and we have a very special guest,
0: our newest associate producer to Standard Orbit, Mr. Nicholas Anastasio. Great to
2: have you aboard, Nicholas. Hey, guys. It's really nice to be on to be on board. It's my 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 pleasure.
0: Now, I said your name right? Correct.
2: You actually did. Yes. Yes, yes sir. Practice makes perfect. My, uh, my friends um, actually gave up, even though actually all of them know how to say my name now, but they uh, a long time ago, they started calling me Nika, basically, to just to not, to not even have to wander or bother. And, and they even introduced me now. It's like, like, oh, just, just just call him Nika. Just call him Nika. <laughs> That's great,
0: man. Well, yeah, thanks again for becoming a, a patron and one of our social producers, man. We really appreciate that. Oh, it's,
2: it's my pleasure. I mean, the network has been, I've been a listener for like two years now. Um, and I'm buddies with, uh, with Matt rushing and, um, the network has been part of my life just the way Star Trek has been part of my life. And, and so I always told, I have told Matt for a long time, like, I want to get to a place where I can kind of uh, arrange my, my finances and stuff and my bills so that I, I can distribute what I, you know, the money that I can spare to what's, what's worthy. And, and I told him the, the second I can, I want to, I want to help the network out. So yeah, I'm, I'm really happy. And. I love uh, I love standard orbit so yeah it's it's my pleasure.
0: Well, it is the best show on the network, so you have good taste. Hands down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no offense to Matt, but yeah, we've li- we've listened to you, Nick. I- I've enjoyed uh, hearing you on 602, and I've heard you on aggressive negotiation. So you're you're making the rounds, which is great. And uh, and Matt, he is he's a cool guy, and he actually pulled me into the network too, which is kind of funny. And uh, listening to his shows, and you know, he he just has that draw that 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 personality. Just uh, just a real legitimate good guy.
2: He, exactly. He is. He's just a good guy. And you can tell he, he's professional all the way through, but he's also just very genuine. You know, he's, he, you, you can feel his passion and his love for the, the stuff that he talks about. So, yeah.
0: So, Nick, you came up with a pretty cool subject, uh, and we're ready to run for it. Would you, would you explain the premise you had for our conversation in this episode today?
2: Yeah, well, one of the things that I've always loved, you know, standard a standard Orbit for since you guys took over is the way that you have found to meld um, different subjects and conversations about TOS on uh, the original crew and TOS the reboot cast. Um, and uh, when after, after I, I joined the network as a Patreon, you know, Ken and I messaged back and forth and he was saying, you know, if you come up with topic ideas, let us know and then that jumped at me just based on that i was i was saying well you know i i just really love kind of the passing of the torch generations you know of star trek from cast to cast series to series fans how new fans can come into star trek and then and then rediscover tos through the new cast and so i thought well if anything what i'd love to talk about is find something which is an opportunity to talk about that the the mingling of the two casts and tos living on and how you know new generations of actors new generation of star trek but new generations of fans and so out of that kind of i was sort of i remember i was driving to work and and i was like well these guys are basically taking over the mantle what would be cool is to imagine how would they be, because they, they, there's a conscious choice, which I think is really cool, for them to embody the personalities and certain traits that we love of the TOS original cast. But at the same time, at this point, what I love about the reboot cast is they've really kind of, it feels like they've, they've gained confidence in sort of making the roles their own. And so I thought, well, how would these characters playing the namesakes we know, but with this slant, how would they react in some of the stories we we know, and we've seen, we love from TOS. And that's kind of how the idea came. Well, what if we picked our top, you know, three or four, two, you know, favorite episodes or episodes that we would love to see redone, but with the reboot cast. And then I pitched it to Ken and, and then he talked about it with you and we went from there.
1: Yeah, there we go. And, and and I liked it a lot. And since the, the other thing I like too is, you know, we haven't spoken about, which episodes each other likes, which is nice. So this will all come up uh, very, very fresh and generic in terms of our conversation. And uh hey, oh, I'm organic, ready to Organic, not generic. Organic. Is that it, yeah. <laughs> Generically
2: <laughs> organic.
0: <laughs> Guys, this is going to be a real generic discussion. Uh, <laughs> so buckle your seat belts.
1: All right, all right. Be nice to the geriatric, OK? <laughs>
2: Right. I'm right behind
1: you, Ken. Don't worry. I <laughs> still got you by a few years there, Nick. So, all right. So if we're ready, let's go. Nicholas, as you are the guest, please tell us your number three pick. Number three. Um, so overall,
2: I what kind of drove my choices was my favorite things about the reboot cast is the dynamics between the actor. I think what they really nailed is the rapport and the chemistry mm-hmm. um, between the characters on screen, their namesakes and the actors, to me, it really feels, I, I can, I can feel those bonds of friendship between, between the cast members and, and they've really, I think, whether it's Carl Urban and, and Quinto or Quinto and, and Chris Pine, you really feel like there's this gelling of the characters and the actors. So I wanted to a kind of like everything had this filter of finding episodes and stories that had the, what I thought would be the most for these guys to play on. Um, if they were going to redo those stories,
0: so just just for clarification, the, these are we're just talking just so all the listeners know. Are we talking about making these movies, or are they just updated episodes like an, an hour of television? Like, what's the well, just so everybody knows what we're talking about here? What's our approach here?
2: You know, that's a good question. Um, I, I was actually talking about that, sort of telling a friend of mine what I was what we were going to talk about tonight, and 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 he asked the same question. Well, would you, are you basically using the plot of an episode and making a movie out of it? Or are you just making an hour long? And I, at first I, I right away went to movie. I think if we're going to stick with the original idea, then we would say, okay, well, if it was an hour episode. And if we're remaking the show with the new cast, let's have it be an hour. Um, so I would say, you know, we're basically retailing and we can make it, you know, today television, if we can still even call it television, is so much more complex and, and nuanced and subtle than it was back 50 years ago that I think you could still, you could do an hour of TV or streaming and still have it feel like, like very cinematic. So Absolutely. I would say, yeah, let, let's do, it, like a, uh, it, would say, it would stay within the same format. All righty. Um so my first so the first one I, I kind of wanted to do one since we said we were going to do three I wanted to do one which would be more of a comedy one of the comedy episodes of Trek one which would be kind of what I call the oddball sort of the ones that are not necessarily the ones that people w- would put on their top 10 favorite mm-hmm. lists of of TOS episodes and one iconic TOS episode. So for my number 3 I'm going to pick the the comedy one first and okay. um, I picked a piece of the action.
1: All right, excellent.
2: Yeah, because I love. Um, first of all, I love that episode. It's one of my. It's one of my favorites. I love tribbles, but like, there's something about Piece of the Action where, kind of like what I was talking about for the, the reboot cast, and that's actually what mandated. So I it, That was the first one I, I thought of because, I can when I watch a piece of the action, I can, I can see Shatner and Nimoy having fun doing it. Right. It, to me, it's palpable on screen that they're just, they're like, oh, this is, we're just going to go all, we're going to go to town with this. And so I was like, well, you know, that's perfect for, for the new cast to kind of do, have a chance to play and then stretch their comedy and then just, you know, be who they are probably in between takes, but on screen.
1: You know, Nick, as you were saying that, the the other element of of that episode wouldn't just be this new cast playing those characters. But there's a lot of folks out there that play good gangsters nowadays that could that could have a lot of fun with this. You know, immediately I'm thinking, geez, could, you know, is De Niro too old to pull it off? Or Al Pacino? Or, you know, they go to a DiCaprio? You, you, you just think of all these guys who played gangsters lately, and could they get pulled into this and have fun? Did you have any thoughts along... You know who 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 you'd have in some of the supporting cast roles?
2: I, I didn't really think about it, but like now that you mentioned that, the first one that it, maybe it's an obvious choice, but the first one that would come to my mind is um, Steve Buscemi.
1: Yeah,
2: because you know he, he's,
1: yeah.
2: he's playing one in, in uh, on HBO, um, and he basically is like um, he's uh, such a um, he's got like from the Coen Brothers movies, he's got a really good um, sense of comedy also so i could totally see him play the gangster and at the same time you know hamming it up yeah i mean and imagine uh pacino from dick tracy you know same thing like over the top
0: academy award nominated performance for dick tracy by by the way yep is that true Uh, yeah no it was yeah
1: oh my goodness
0: you don't you don't think it was worthy of (laughs) an oscar nomination okay I, I only
1: saw it once and 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 tried to do that 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 mind thing that that Spock did to Kirk you know just to forget. Uh, ooh, yeah, it was right. Yeah, the
0: uh, uh you know Pacino and De Niro have become um th- well they've become very self-aware so I think they could do it. I think DiCaprio you know maybe I don't know these, these are all these are all fun choices because no I totally get what you're saying Dick about uh the cast having a good time that would be fun to see because it really has been uh been a lot of. You know, darkness—no pun intended—in these, in these, in this trilogy of movies, we've gotten so far. It would be nice to just lighten things up. You know, pull a Star Trek Four. Go, you know, like as they said, there have been so much death and life and death. They wanted to lighten it up with Star Trek Four. Same approach with something like this. It'd be nice to see uh, just th- things, just just people having fun for a change.
2: I totally agree, and I mean, you know, the reboot features have sort of emulate have parallels to the original TOS features um, to a greater or lesser success like the darkness but um it would be cool to if like the fourth film whatever the story is actually kind of embraced the same themes like you were saying as the voyage home did sort of okay well we took you down 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 or not necessarily down but everything but everything got intense and very you know very big and now maybe we can do a smaller lighter story which is still very much completely star trek and if it's if it's um simon pegg writing it you know he obviously knows and obviously understands respects and loves star trek so i'm sure that even with that kind of different tone he i would totally trust him to get it
0: now would the book still be the chicago mobs of the 20s so that still be the <laughs> well you know it
2: would have to be because because and i hate to say this to all the enterprise naysayers but what what trek series is more embraced than any other in the reboot movies Enterprise mm. and- and we've we've established that that book is a direct you know it's basically yeah. from, from saw it on a shelf yeah, yeah. so um, if any if it's gonna be if it's gonna be that then yeah it would have to be the book yeah
1: alrighty there it is I like it that was a great first choice all right Zach you're up buddy
0: so I didn't really I, I like I like your approach there kind of one of each Nick I didn't really. We'll see, I guess, what we consider mine when all three are revealed. But, uh, I, you know, I, I just took an episode, my, my first one here, my number three choice, would be an episode that I like a lot that I feel like really gets lost in the shuffle and I feel like would benefit from a, a modern update, and that is What Are Little Girls Made Of? Uh, that's the one where they talk about androids, and we see, all, we see all this supposedly ancient and amazing technology, which is not that amazing looking in the 1960s budget. I mean, you talk about, you know, you, you find a lost civilization. It's almost like Lovecraftian, right? You find this lost civilization with all this technology. You can do this crazy stuff. And they go down there, and it's like some buttons on a wall, and a green slab of some kind of material that you spin around real fast in terms of an android. I'm thinking, you know, you, you do this with the uh, the Kelvin County Alliance sensibilities. You, you get like just epic shots of like machinery and just, just open the whole scope of the whole thing of like this, this lost civilization, all this technology. And, you know, in talking about artificial intelligence, look at the West world right now, right? That's what they're talking about entirely. So the themes are relevant, more relevant than ever right now. Uh, you know, we're approaching the. That, that point, that's a singularity, right? Where artificial intelligence becomes self-aware. So, so much of that is, is so relevant today. And that's, you know, so much of Star Trek. We're, we're talking about it 50 years later, right? But so much of it is. But even even more so than the general, like, look at how far technology has come. And we, we have cell phones and all that, right? Like, I'm talking like, we're talking about creating androids right now and that's what this episode is about and then like could you transfer your consciousness into an android and like because you know that's going to be the next logical step right when when these things exist people are going to want to uh, extend their lives and do it that way and what what part of the soul is it, human and this this intangible thing that gets lost in the translation and i just i really like this episode and i think when you open up the scope of it you kind of take the the 60s veneer off of it and i still i still love it we're the original series podcast here. So I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, <laughs> you repackage it for new audiences, it's going to be accepted uh more and my casting choices, okay, would be for Ruck, you got to go with Dave Batista, right? Uh he's uh, Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy. He played he played Jinx in
2: uh Yeah, Inspector?
0: Yeah, Jinx. What's his name? Hinks. Mr. Hinks. Yeah, Mr. Hinks. That's the wrong James Bond film, everybody. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and the wrong gender, but
0: yeah, I know, right? Ooh. So, so, uh, so, Mr. Hanks, uh he's probably most famous for those two roles. So, say like who he would be, Rock. He's you know the modern day Ted Cassidy. There's just huge guy and very intimidating. I think he could, he could play that role well. And Andrea, now I must say, Andrea is my she's got to be my favorite original series um, guest actress. Uh, beautiful, great performance. So, so that that's a tough one. Uh, to recast, and I, you know, I don't want to, I don't know, it's, it's tough not to cross the streams too much here, you know, with Star Trek and Star Wars, but we got, you got J.J. Abrams going on back and forth, so, so I'm going to go ahead and cross the streams. I'm going to say Natalie Portman for Andrea. Nice. So, th- th- that's my casting. They're the main two guest stars, and to be honest, uh, although the whole plot does revolve around Dr. Corby, I didn't really think of a <laughs> maybe you guys have a suggestion. <laughs> I didn't really, <laughs> I'm open to suggestion. He, he's, he's kind of a blank slate. He's not as, uh, you know, if, uh, you know, visually memorable for various reasons as the other two. <laughs> so I don't know. He's kind of blank slate. I think you could just cast any respectable middle-aged actor in that role, and he could pull it off well. So, so that's my take. That's my number three. What are little girls made of?
2: Awesome. Yeah, I like it because, like you were saying, I think both on a creative and a technical standpoint. You know, you were talking about the singularity, artificial life, and. You're right. We are on, on the cusp. And I was just not long ago reading an article about they think that before we can even build probably an artificial intelligence, they do think scientists now think that we can, well, we can definitely map a human brain and the data. And they think that, you know, we're, no, we're nowhere near the capacity to store or to scan the information. But they sort of the the scientific logic of being able to actually upload an entire brain's worth of data is already something that is a a reality on paper, at least. And so this whole concept of, of, uh, right now, I think that the, the problem sometimes with the amount of the years that have gone by between TOS and today is that you have ideas that are very relevant, as you said, but it can be maybe, especially for younger generations, we might be getting to the point where it's a little hard to get that message across just because the visuals or the terms that are employed are a little dated. And so maybe younger fans might, might have a harder time realizing, understanding how relevant and contemporary and current some of those ideas are. Sometimes, because some of them are very, very, you know, you'll get it. And I think that's a great idea because if you took a subject like that, you could really, in modern modern visuals, modern terminology, you could really then get the point across again very, very strongly, um, and then visually, yeah, like you were saying, the whole concept is something that that modern trek hasn 't really done of like i 've always been fascinated by these sort of the ancient ones, you know these mm-hmm. Star Trek always talks about these civilizations that existed before civilization you know mm-hmm. and i'm like well i mean it's that's really like the world is, is your oyster you can you can think of any kind of visual environment design would work and so yeah that's a it's a it's a really awesome idea
1: yeah you know that was uh very creative uh in, in terms of taking it in that direction and i i i do agree with you that that would be a fun remake and i can't get off trying to not now i'm just fixated on trying to cast Dr. Corby, I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I haven't come up with the right name. I've got all that I'm like Lithgow? No, he wouldn't do it. <laughs> um, no it, it it would be it would really be fun to explore in this timeline. It really would because you're right, the technology now would would bring it up uh, to a whole different echelon, I think. And and conceptually, I think it it, it would draw um, you know, a lot of good science fiction folks one of my questions would be, would it be that type of episode that would draw um, people from outside of Star Trek? Would it be too heavy? You know, would they... Would they you know, does it have well, a good crossover appeal? It's. I think it well, would. Well, that,
0: that's why I make the Westworld comparison, because I feel like, that is that not what Westworld is doing right now, right? Is it? Is it? I mean, I, I see these are the things that... um To a certain extent. I mean, I mean it's not an A-B comparison, but uh, people are fascinated by that concept, so...
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you, Zach. I think that... um it's definitely got sort of uh, very highbrow sci-fi concepts to it, mm-hmm. which then I think would help bring it into something which wouldn't make it like niche Star Trek, but then mm-hmm. would, would would be pitchable as, well, it's also kind of a, a sci-fi. I mean, you'd have to still obviously be interested in science fiction, but it, it's very much uh, a broad sci-fi theme. You know, you have like uh, Ex Machina that came out, was it last year or two years ago? Yeah. And it's definitely... I mean the concept of artificial intelligence and robots that's something that's since the forties and fifties, it's still it's still very much with us. So.
0: Well, you mentioned Ex Machina, that, that was a big inspiration. And now that's doing it right recently. I don't know if you did either of you guys see Transcendence? I haven't seen No. It, it was terrible. Don't see it. But I was <laughs> I was so disappointed in that movie because it's about Johnny Depp and he's like a brilliant scientist and they transfer his mind into a computer. I saw it.
2: I saw, I did see it. it was so, <laughs> so bad that I actually forgot. Yeah, exactly.
0: You did yeah. the Spock forget thing and you, and you just erased yep. your memory. I wish yep, I could yep, know. yep. So disappointing. And because it's the same kind of thing we're talking about here. You know, human consciousness, the soul, like does the technology twist it in some evil way, right? He, but You don't know, right? These are great concepts. It's all in the execution. Now, Ex Machina, a different approach, but the same it's in the same genre. right? It's in the same vein of sci-fi. They did it right. Transcendence did it. Transcendence did it wrong. I trust the new creative team on the Kelvin timeline films, of Star Trek, to do it right, and I think they would uh, make a good crack at it. So that's my number three. Yeah, you think uh, you think Chris Nolan
1: should take that project on?
0: <laughs> that was that was not Transcendence was not directed by Chris Nolan. It was actually directed by his uh, his cinematographer. That's not uh, what I meant.
1: But I I meant if they were to do a reboot, right, uh, version of it. And just the way, you know, I, I just obviously he's got a, um, a very unique style, and this is this is a um, a pretty cool concept. I'm just wondering if he could take it to the next level. That's all. He could really have fun with it.
0: Yeah, I think Chris Nolan should direct everything, really. So.
1: Oh, there it is. Okay.
2: <laughs> I think Chris Nolan thinks that as well. Probably <laughs> he probably does. <laughs> he's, he's
1: done quite a role. Yeah, that's for sure.
0: All right, Kim. What about you? What's your number three, man?
1: You know, I am a a big fan of bottle shows. I, uh, I I really enjoy when the um, the cast the the actual cast gets to really flex their their acting, acting acting I can't speak acting muscles and and drive a strong performance and so Nick when you came up with this you know the first thing I started thinking about well what were the shows that um, could have been improved if we could have had better technology and, and drew us more in you know and and this show is really not one of those in this case because they actually did a pretty good job, I thought. But it's uh, the immunity syndrome, and and I was thinking with the the Spock Uhura relationship, it would add that much more tension to it. Uh, you'd really get to focus on the Enterprise itself, the mystery and trying to figure out exactly what's happening, the um, the concept of you know space being, you know a place where a you know, a cell could develop one, of course, of massive size. Uh, you could, instead of just listening to what's happening to the intrepid, you might be able to 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 kind of visualize or or what's going. On. Plus, the whole crew was exhausted, which kind of reminded me of the beginning of Beyond. Right, the 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 the, the crew was done. They were just they needed some R and R. They really didn't get it, and uh, that's exactly the same path that they were going on in the Immunity Syndrome. They were. They, they, the whole team had just been, you know, been through a lot. They don't tell us what it was. And um, and then they get pulled off to do this assignment because the, um, the Intrepid gets destroyed. I also like that whole concept that the Vulcans couldn't figure it out because it was illogical what was happening to them. And there's just a lot of things about that episode that, that I really enjoy. But I always feel some of the better episodes is when it's... You know, and and you could really expand upon this, right? Scotty could have a key role. Uh, so the, the whole the whole seven could really have special parts in in an episode like this, and and be developed a little bit more creatively in solving the mystery, rescuing Spock, and and destroying the entity. I, I think I think it'd be a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, I love the um uh, the Vulcan angle you talked about, Ken. Um, it's one thing I I've always loved vulcan culture and i i always feel like in a way um ex- with the exception of enterprise um it was done not a disservice but it was actually i feel like i feel like best basically in tos nimoy started to really on his own pretty much it feels to me craft not just a character for spock but mm-hmm. a be- behind that and, and through spock a whole a whole philosophy for what vulcans are vulcan is and. I feel like afterwards after TOS it was in the, in the subsequent series, it was, they, they, they latched onto only the most superficial part of that and, and never, and, you know, kind of like did sort of the one one what we were taught of Vulcans by, by what Nimoy established in Roddenberry and TOS. And it's not, it's not until it's, I really love what, what they did with enterprise with the Vulcans. And so any chance that there is, and definitely, I think that the, the reboot cast and the, the, the people involved with the Kelvin timeline. Um, it, if they are given a chance to, to show anything, you know, that, that kind of really showcases the Vulcans more and Vulcan philosophy, Vulcan culture. Um, I'd love to see that.
0: Are you saying the baseball team from take me out to the hall suite was not a nuanced uh, collection of characters, Nick? Is that what you're saying?
2: <laughs> That's uh, I guess maybe what I'm uh, implicitly <laughs> implying. <laughs>
0: No, that's a good uh, suggestion there, Ken. Again, I know where Ken and I are always talking about. How do you how do you repackage this this? I mean, we were just talking about it here, Nick. You know, how do you repackage this this '60s stuff to update it for modern audiences? Because there is there are barriers to entry to older entertainment. That's just the way it is. I mean, we grew up with this stuff at various phases of our lives, right? So it's there's always going to be a nostalgic factor for us. It's going to overcome any perceived cheesiness. But to, to like the 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 general public, right? You got you got to you got to get them past some of that, you know. Uh, that sixties veneer, as I say, so I think, uh, yeah, that th- that would be this would be a good update. I mean, you could get some, you could do some really cool stuff. Just I'm thinking special effects wise, you know, and really visualize uh, that uh, the the void that the Enterprise goes in the hole in space, you know. And and I love the original amoeba effect, like it's it's iconic. That's what image. I mean, it, it's, so yeah, you yeah, wouldn't yeah, really so have to change it that much, but you could just do yeah. more with it.
1: Well you could have one of those beginnings like you had in Star Trek 09, right? With the intrepid spinning into whatever you don't know what the heck it is and a crew of Vulcans going down. It would be Yeah, cold open po- that way. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, it'd be a very powerful opening. But you know, I was I was just thinking about the um I guess the horror the Spock dynamic would have a whole new take in this one.
0: Yeah, because in, yeah. in the episode, it's more about, like, McCoy and, as it always is, right, McCoy and Spock and then Kirk and, and who's going to go and all that stuff and, oh, good luck, Spock. Oh, I can't let him hear me wish him good luck because of reasons, you know, but, uh, right, right, yeah, there, right. there's a whole other element, and much like in Into Darkness where Spock was putting himself in danger and Ahura was getting upset about it, that would be a similar situation here, so that's a whole other wrinkle. Uh, to the story and giving the rest of the cast things to do which is really what really really what we want to do because you know in all these stories i mean we want to show off you know if this is the kelvin timeline cast they're all excellent let's let's have them all
1: have their moment to shine right that's right and you know and i think the ship could be struggling throughout the whole thing right and, and no, now it's, it, it's a star trek movie of course the ship has to be falling <laughs> apart Don't destroy it. Don't destroy it. But, you know, actually, you know, struggles and, you know, and that's where I think you could see Scotty and others really, really get into it as well as solve the mystery.
2: By the way, small parenthesis, you know, this is one of those moments where every time I listen to you guys on standard orbit, I say, yes, 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 yes. Why does the Enterprise have to take a pounding in every movie? Mm -hmm. Please. I don't want it to take a pounding in every movie. It's okay. It's, it's, first of all, sometimes I just want to see the Enterprise being beautiful. Secondly, then if, if it always gets nearly destroyed or destroyed, then the times that it should count, it won't count as much because, exactly. because we're, I've seen that every time. And we know diminishing it, returns. Yeah. Yeah. It'll just get rebuilt in the next movie. So who cares? Um, yeah, there are plenty the- of letters
0: left in the alphabet, my friends. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that
1: kills me. Absolutely kills me. Yeah. It is frustrating. It's uh, yeah. If, if they don't start tr- treating her like a main character, one of these days, we're going to just go slap some people around, I think.
0: Don't worry about the tangents. We're all about the tangents, as you know, Nick, on Standard Urban. So please, if you're <laughs> any more parentheses or tangents, please take us there.
1: That's right. Fire at will.
0: So what
2: is your second number
0: two episode to be updated
2: remade? Okay. So my number two is going to be the out of left field, the oddball. Um, and for that, I picked the Tholian Web. Nice. Um, nice. Yeah. So so I, you know, first of all, well, I don't think I was consciously trying to, like, give love to each season. I'm not even sure what, whether I actually did, but, but, um, you know, I, I, there, there's a lot of later season episodes that I love. And, um, again, so there's a couple of things. There's Ken, you were talking about Uhura and Spock for your uh-huh. pick and it's, it was, that was that played into mind. Um, there is, you know, Uhura, uh, Uhura didn't have, as we all know, um, Nichelle Nichols represented, but, but she didn't always have the most character development on TOS and, it's one of, the, one of the few episodes where she gets to do a little more than just, you know, opening channels. And I felt like in a Kelvin timeline version of the episode, you could definitely expand on that. And, and I don't know if it's, I mean, again, if we're going to stay within the format of an hour, you know, you have limits. But still, I think that it, it, it could be written in a way which makes her more essential in trying to convince Bones and maybe even Spock um, that the captain is still alive. Through that, you could probably, if you wanted to to give Chris Pine slash Kirk a little more to do than just appear and float around, you could probably, you know, use Uhura actually, and and basically write in sort of a a B plot where basically Kirk is trying to make contact with her for some reason, you know, and she's trying to help him and convince the others. Mm -hmm. Um, And I could see some 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 good some good sort of banter between her and Spock if if she's trying to convince him and he's kind of taking on the approach at first of Well, this doesn't make sense. You know, he's dead. Um, I I was imagining these lines of dialogue, which could could really play into the the dynamic that we see on screen between Quinto and and Zoe. And then uh, from the visual effects, same thing. I was like, you know, this whole concept of the Tholian species, um, first of all, them as a species, and then secondly, their strategy Uh, with today's visuals, you could do such cool stuff. To yeah. kind of like represent visually that that idea of like the the, the grid, the pattern, you know, that they that they use mm-hmm. to entrap other vessels, and then the species, you know, uh, to kind of like you same go to town. You can come up with kind of anything non-humanoid to represent such a different concept as the as the Tholians. And then I think the last reason was, you know, what I was mentioning to you guys early about like looking for episodes that kind of took advantage of the rapport between the characters and the actors and how, how well that seems to have gelled in the, in the reboot cast. And we all know kind of the dynamics between the big three and we all know Bones', Bones role, um, but a lot of times I think it's implied in TOS um, or it, it's kind of over time as we saw the whole body of work that we realized, oh, okay, this is what Bones is to Spock, this is what Bones is to Kirk. Uh, it's not so explicitly showed in TOS uh, not as often, and so the the final reason why I picked that episode is because I really loved the fact that it was one of those few episodes that really showcased explicitly the dynamic between Spock and Bones specifically It reminded me of beyond you know when the two of them are are, are strand are paired together and I loved i mean the the what sealed the deal for me was that scene between well I guess the three of them in a way when when bones and Spock go to. To kind of break open the seals and listen to Kirk's orders in case in case he dies, um, because that that scene, even though he's not there in person, really plays out. Like he lays he lays out who he is and the importance of each of those two to him, and tells them now make it work between the two of you. And I, I just imagine that scene with. Chris Pine kind of, in his own way, delivering that message and Quinto and Carl Urban, I was like, oh man, I I would I want to see that scene play out.
0: You know, if we had a longer list, the Tholian web actually would have been on my list as well. Uh, it, it was one of the ones that, that came to mind when we were thinking about this subject, because you, you're right, you, you could visualize all this stuff a lot. More interestingly, and you know, maybe once it's—I mean, we all know Kirk's not really dead, so I don't know when they would want to do this. Like maybe after Uhura sees him and it's confirmed that he's not dead, and we keep coming back to him, maybe we could see him in that alternate dimension all to himself. You know, just i am not sure exactly how I would visualize it. Whatever, of course, he's floating around the Defiant, or I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure, but you know, he talks of it at the end. Whole universe just for me.
2: It's funny because I was thinking exactly the same thing when I—the last time I rewatched the episode, um, it struck me like that—that that scene at the end where he says, "You know, I had a whole universe to myself," and I was like how what is that that would probably drive someone insane because mm-hmm. how, how do you grasp the concept of i'm in an entire universe i'm basically a universe of one <laughs> you know what what does that how do you describe that
1: so one i think that's a that that's a great episode to play with and as soon as you say like, yeah i wish i thought of that um one of the things i was saying as you were saying about the different cast dynamics i agree with you about uhura i'd love to see more for sulu to do but I'd, I'd like to get another take at it because the one thing about the episode I didn't like was the Spock-Bones dynamic. I just thought Bones was overly aggressive. And, I, and I'd like to see it replayed to a point where it makes sense. It, it just seemed like the, um, the Doctor to me in that episode was way too rough on on Spock. And it seemed very forced. And if, if, if you could do a redo... With something like that I'd love to see Carl Urban play it play it still as the gruff kind of guy you know he's got all the puns and all those other things and he's he definitely has bones down pat um, still on the edge but maybe not quite so edgy so that it for me anyway could be a little bit more believable because here's your your second-in-command running the ship under a tremendous amount of pressure trying to retrieve the captain mm-hmm dealing with the tholians all this other stuff and he was nothing but a pain in the ass uh, well, it, was, just, it was the yeah.
0: space madness ken
1: no it wasn't Th- that's my fanboy uh, justification but
2: yeah you're you know you're you're right because i think there's even a scene i think that in one of the scenes mccoy kind of hints that he's affected and he and he says you know i'm being affected too and i when i on my last rewatch of that episode i was like I call BS on that. You <laughs> just caught yourself being a jerk and you're kinda like, well, you know, I just uh I'm I'm also affected. So that's uh why I'm being mean to you. I'm sorry. But I totally agree with you, Ken. Like I, I there's a couple of episodes in TOS where I feel like I don't think it was it was uh, uh the forest gelly, I think it was just the way it was written and yeah, yeah. It, it definitely pushes the character a little too far. Um I think there's one was it Reds and Circuses? There's one one of the ones where they're they're or is it where they're captured. And, and they're, I remember they're both.
0: And they're in jail. Yeah. It's bread and circus. Yeah. bread and,
2: circuses, right? and, 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 and I mean, and bones is such a, you know, I, I can't say the word on the family, on the family show, you know, it's a spot. <laughs> and, uh, and that, you know, he's not quite as bad in, in, uh, in the phone web, but he's definitely, I, I was like, you know, the guy clearly at this point, you should, you should know him better. You know, he's affected. And you know he just can't show it. And mm-hmm. and you know, he's just like you said, he's doing his best um to be the captain and also to not show his emotions. And you're not helping him. Um but I, I really I do think that um like you said, there's there's such a strong chemistry, both on screen and I think off between between Urban and, and, and Quinto that I can totally see them running with that and doing something good with it. Either it's either it's you know, like you said, some somehow Bones is more subdued or or it's figuring out something which could justify more why bones would be this pissed at at Spock you know if if Spock had done or said something which could really push bones more over the edge and and could make us understand why bones would be so so angry with him
1: yeah, yeah, i'd like to see it go that way
0: so for my for my number two it's um uh, this is going to be a controversial choice, I bet uh, so everybody everybody buckle down. Faster than seatbelts, but We don't have seatbelts on the Enterprise yet, but anyway. The Omega Glory. All right? Really? I actually really like this episode. No one likes it, okay? Maybe a few people like it, but most people don't like it. This, I got to say, man, For if you're telling a good story and you want to have an antagonist, Star Trek is always struggling to find the next antagonist. I got to tell you, Captain Tracy is probably one of the best antagonists on the original series. He is the only other captain who seems any kind of competency... In the original series i mean you have uh commodore decker just loses his mind uh, he, he loses his mind i mean i understand why uh but then you have uh, uh the captain guy from garth. the deadly, deadly year. oh what was that
2: captain garth who's also yeah. lost his mind.
0: <laughs> captain garth lost his mind uh commodore uh the commodore who takes over in the deadly years that guy doesn't know what to do he just over- Oh, i don't know should we surrender guys so it's like no one is is a good foil just for Kirk right who is his true antagonist that is a a fellow captain so I feel like he's like one of the best villains on there he can he, and he, he he's one of the few people that could actually beat kirk in a fight as well so you can get some good so you get some good hand-to-hand combat on, on the planet so i'm thinking i'm thinking they'll make a glory if you redo it here i love it when you run into another ship i would love for the enterprise to run into another constitution class ship get to explore an abandoned kelvin timeline enterprise or you know constitution class ship walking around the sets you know you can get to see some really cool moody stuff going on there much like you, you would get to do in, in thonia web as well Nick, yeah, so so I, I like that aspect. I like just just the visuals of all the crew being like crumpled into piles. You know, I mean that's very just a very creepy, disturbing image. And I feel like you know, think think you know X Files style stuff going on when they're exploring the the Exeter, and. Uh, and then they beam down, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking beyond. I'm thinking uh, you get most of the main cast on the planet, so that way everybody gets more to do. Uh, so you, you, everybody, but they're separated, they're split up from the ship. They have to, you know, fend for themselves. And then I feel like you you should get you you expand the scope of the whole thing, right? And this this entire planet, you know, we only see this one little broken down backlot western village, right? But if you if you redo with modern special effects, you could see this. And not I'm not all like, oh, you have to see it, you have to see it. I understand. You know, there is there is a sense of, uh, of clever storytelling when I mean, you don't have to. Some things are more effective when, like when Tracy comes in there and he's like, "I drained three phasers and they still came." You know that kind of stuff. That's cool to hear him say. But you could see some of these battles. You could see you know just a big horde of of the Yanks coming to to get the combs. Now, you could tweak the whole uh, <laughs> you know pledge of allegiance and the constitution thing. I understand. I understand people's reservations against that. But people dog on this episode, and I feel like this is really cool. Like, this guy, this other captain feels like he's got the secret to eternal youth here, and he's going to use it for his own purposes. And 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 Kirk has to go up against him, and, and I think that's cool. And that test, you know, Pine's Kirk has always been a bit of rule breaker, and this shows, like, the ultimate... Like okay, well, I don't want to be this guy, right? And he needs to run into people that are like so extreme that kind of snaps him back into forcing him to be Mr. Mr. Rulebook, you know. So I feel like all those elements will work pretty well. And as we've all been saying, let's incorporate more of the cast. Let's get Uhura down there on the landing party. Let's uh, maybe we can get um, Cupcake down there. Maybe he's the guy that, <laughs> that gets phasered because uh, you know he was supposed to die in Into Darkness, and that got edited around. Uh, and so he was, in, and I know he was in, he was somewhere and beyond. I don't know if he made the final cut of the film. He might have been one of those group shots. I know he was there. Um, and I, I, I like Cupcake. I remember him from way back, the actor when I forget the actor's name, but he was in a TV show called Playmakers. Uh, it was a, if, if anybody likes football. I don't know how you know, the sports ball crossover here of the Star Trek podcast. I know probably not very much, but if you might like football, go go seek out the show Playmakers. It is a brilliant show, and he's one of the main characters. He's a member of the football team. But anyway, let's get cupcake in there. You know, let let's, let's have some fun. So anyway, it'll make a glory for all those reasons. I would like to see updated and tweaked. I don't know what how to crack the whole This used to be the U.S. and Russia thing, you
2: <laughs> know. Uh, but there you have it. Well, you know, I mean, in a way, considering the current political climate. You you can kind of do it. I mean, it, sadly, we are kind of the dynamics between Russia and the U.S. currently are are not quite what they were during the height of the Cold War. But we're we're slipping back, and so you know it's touchy. But you I could see ways to do it. And like just specifically, actually, outside of the the whole like you know Russia U.S. thing. But like you were talking about the last scene, and obviously that's the one that I think draws a lot of the criticism, or sort of like. In the mind of a lot of fans sort of brings down the episode because because it's so like uh to quote to quote john and ken quoting tos bonk bonk you know <laughs> uh on the nose but um i think that you know if you if you put it because i would want to do it in a way which makes it work but also if you're gonna go the, if you're gonna go that route at the same time you you have to honor what the episode is and uh, so I would say, you know, well, we have to find a way to make it work, but keep it in somehow. And and like if I, if I was, I'd say, you know, if if there was a way to actually, rather than just Kirk kind of stepping up and all of a sudden being like, look, I'm gonna recite some, you know, words of the Constitution, and we can play the the American the the national anthem in the back. What if, you know, if there was something where where basically he's trying to to explain himself and and make them see the error of their ways. And they dismiss him or, or they even threaten him, and they say, "Well you have no you have no place, you don't know our culture, you don't know our past, and if he's already seen that it's a parallel world, and he's seen the Constitution to show that he understands exactly who they are and what they're talking about, he could recite words from from you know the Declaration of Independence just to basically show them that he has, he has, he completely understands their point And, and I could see a reaction where, where they, they go, Oh, well, this guy basically knows our past knows our culture. And all of a sudden that's kind of his, he does it, which sort of follows the original scene. But then at the same time brings it into there, there's a motivation for him doing that on screen as opposed to just kind of like saying, and now a patriotic moment.
1: Yeah, That's right. That's
0: right. Well, I think, you know, and I've heard, that this was a part of the story that maybe got dropped over time, but maybe if it was like a lost earth colony and, it, you know, maybe that would make it a little more believable than like the parallel evolution. Because, you know, we had that run in the second season where it was like every third episode was this is another version of earth, right? Cri- Crisis on Infinite earths on the original series,
2: Roman earth, um, Nazi earth. It's, Nazi yeah. earth. it's-
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So anyway, what, what do you, th- what do you think? Ken, you big fan of that episode, right?
1: You know I, I I don't hate it. I, I think that you you're an excellent pitch man by the way. I could see you you know in, in front of a bunch of executives in Hollywood saying, "And we could do this. And we got this." And blah, blah. Yeah, I mean you were you were just on fire. You're you're in quite a roll and and as you were selling it to to us to to the listeners as well. I was like, yeah, you know, I I could see this, especially with Captain Tracy the Exeter. There's there's a lot there uh, that that can be played with, you know. And I'm one of those guys that, um, you know, the ending of that, it, 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 you know, it 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 didn't make any sense, but it 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 kind of pulled it all together. I, I think that's that's the trick as is, is to what you were saying, Nick, and, and, and you as well, Zach. How can you pull it so this world would have something like that and, and make it more um, logical? Because I certainly don't have a problem with the Declaration of Independence, probably one of the best documents ever written. Um, and, you know, it, it doesn't bother me if there's a little bit of patriotic theme to it, how that plays to a global audience, I'm not sure. But I think that, you know, you, you could find a way to make it work. So... Yeah, I mean, when you first said it, I was like, "What is he talking about?" But as you as you pitched it, you know, I'm like, yeah, "Okay." I mean, you, you know, it, it, obviously, we're not talking a, a word for word, scene by scene, done in modern times, so it looks sexier. We're talking about putting the spin of um, the Kelvin timeline to it, and you could you could spin this pretty well. I, I think it gives you a um, a pretty solid foundation to make a very interesting show using today's technology, new cast members, kind of maybe some new thought processes that could pull it together, like you said. And I think it'd be pretty enjoyable. You know, it's, I don't know, maybe because I've seen it so many times and it's always been an episode, like, yeah, you know, get onto something else. But, um, ah, you know, I'll I'll look at it differently the next time I watch it, just because of the way you, you played it.
0: Yeah, see, I've always really enjoyed this one. It was I know uh you know I know Brandon Shamatella has it we always talk about his taste on the network, right? But he 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 only recently got into Star Trek fan. I mean he had all these favorite episodes. And then when he when he like got on the internet and started talking to other Star Trek fans about he's like, Oh, you don't you don't like this episode? You don't, you know, you don't like the alternative factor, right? So that, that's what he says, and so I, I feel the same way about Omega Glory. I mean, I'm just kidding. much? Like, oh yeah, the one with the with the piles of people and the and the, uh, uh, you know, the the two captains fighting, and that's that's cool stuff. right? in the other ship, yeah, that's a good one. And then you get on the internet and you're like, top ten worst episodes of the original series. Number one, the Omega Glory. I'm like, oh no, not that one. So anyway, I yeah I. Like you said, Ken, I feel like the, the the core elements are there. You just need to tweak them a little bit. The presentation, you know, you update it for the Calvin timeline. You got a solid, you got a solid one there. So, and
2: uh, you know, you know what, Zach, if I can just another another make slash over tangent, <laughs> a small one, because um, you're talking about Captain versus Captain, right? Mm-hmm. And okay, that's that's one. It's a tiny parenthesis. It, it's I love Beyond. Um, it's by far my favorite. I love I love Oh Nine as well, but it's my my favorite reboot movie. And it's definitely, it's now among my top four or five favorite Star Trek movies. Um, one thing that I really, when I see it, and maybe it's just me. I have no idea. I've never, I've never actually really thrown that out there to other fans to see what they think. But every time I watch it, I must have seen the movie a dozen times already. Um, every time I, I watch it, there's something that, that to me feels like a missed opportunity. Um, I get having crawl being... A lizard through two thirds of the movie so that you can have this cool twist at the end. But to me, and it works, it doesn't make the movie bad. It's not a problem, but to me, it's the missed opportunity, a huge missed opportunity because for the sake of what is, What is? It's just a trend. It's something that Hollywood does today. Is we have to have like X amount of twists leading up to the biggest twist, which is at the beginning of Act Three, which is like 18 to 20 minutes before the movie ends. (laughs) Blah 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 blah. You know, you're 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 missing out on a a big Star Trek tradition. And I think something that would be much cooler on a dramatic level and narrative level is I don't need to have crawl be a lizard all this time and then turn out to be a Starfleet captain. Tell me, maybe not like at the very beginning, but by the time they've crashed, by the time Uhura and Sulu meet him, tell me, show me. Even he may look the way he does at the end. You know, we can because we have the whole concept that he's had to maintain himself by using alien DNA. So maybe he looks a little weird and messed up. But reveal to me that this used to be a Starfleet captain. Because if you do that, you're you're introducing a whole other i mean the story can still be the same so you're not like putting creating problems for your narrative but you're introducing such a more more interesting complex dynamic if you pit if you pit kirk and if he finds out very relatively quickly at that point that it's a starfleet captain it's a whole different thing it's not again just like us it's not like well this is an alien lizard guy so let's just beat him without killing him if we if we can help it but if not we'll just phaser him if it's a starfleet captain it's basically us So what do we do? Do we try to get him back? Do we try to like see if we, if we, if we can sort of, you know, rehabilitate him or do we have to kill him? You know, it it makes how far are we willing to go much more nuanced. And it's a big Trek tradition because we have this in TOS, you know, like the, the insane captain, the guy, you know, we have Garth, you know, we have, we have Tracy, we have like all these captains that somehow turned bad, bad apple or something happened and they went too far. And I was like, man, when I saw this, I was like, Oh, why didn't, why didn't No, I didn't need the twist. I could have, but I've been totally fine knowing that crawl was was human in the first 20 minutes. But anyway, dungeon closed. Francis is closed. (laughs) Sorry.
0: Now that's a good, that's a good take there. I, uh, I think that's, it was, it, it it was kind of unnecessary, I guess, but I didn't mind it at all. Even though before the movie, before Beyond came out, I specifically said, you know what? They do some stupid twist again, like it was con. <laughs> <laughs> and then, that's exactly what they did, but I didn't yeah. mind it. The story was, it was, it was so well done that I didn't mind it, but I totally get what you're saying.
2: So. Yeah, no, I don't mind either. Like, you know, it doesn't hurt the movie. The movie is fine as it is. It just it, to me, it's not so much that it takes away; it's that it could have been even more.
0: Well, it, it's a it's a trope, like you're saying. It's a trope these days. We were just we we're talking about Christopher Nolan earlier. Right? He's decided that ever, all his movies are gonna have some twist in it. Like The Dark Knight Rises, I don't like that twist at all. That was on that was unnecessary. It was like, oh, you just undercut everything you're building up. Why did you do that twist? Right. So don't do it that way. But anyway, the, 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 the Tan just getting out of control. Ken, please take control.
1: Mike, I'll just say before I get into mine was with the with with your discussion about uh, uh, Captain Edison and in the big switch with crawl. The one thing that they did do by kind of pulling us along, which I thought was kind of neat, is is tying in you know the Enterprise era with the new era, uh, and and I think they were effective with that, right? And and what they had to deal with, so yeah I guess you could say it could have been revealed maybe sooner, but it, it didn't bother me that that he was human at all. in fact, like I said, there's so many people that really enjoy that element of the movie that um it it pulls you into you know it was it's almost like a um a passing of the torch done right like unlike generations right you know here, here we go so
0: so what is your number two Ken?
1: My number two is enterprise incident and it's it's a, one that I've, I've I've seen very recently and it was amazing to me as i was as i was watching the story unfold and it was uh, it was uh, that was the one that was on during the super bowl so I, during the halftime show that's what i was watching and and i didn't know it was on so i just moved it because i, I didn't really care to see lady gaga but anyway, it was um it, it was it was funny because as soon as they introduced the romulan commander i went oh my god it's janeway i mean it, it, it you know the the voice the, the size, um, the stature, I mean, you know, more, I'm sorry, less sophisticated than Janeway, but still she was very intriguing, right? And, and maybe it doesn't have to go in down to, you know, the, the, the woman scorn falling in love trick that, that, that Spock did. They could rewrite that some way, but it would be awesome to have a strong um, lead female antagonist um, who's who's trying to bridge the gap, right? She wants to save the sip so she can bring it back, let the crew go, um, but win this prize, and then the whole thing with with could you see Pine acting like a psycho? You know, <laughs> it, it, it'd be kind of fun, right? And uh, of course, McCoy had some some brilliant lines in that in that movie, and you know they they obviously um, could probably come up with Scotty um, retrieving the cloaking vice versus Kirk dressed as a Romulan retrieving the the clothing device. You you gotta
0: keep you gotta keep that. You gotta keep that. It's huge, man. It's huge part of the
1: episode. No, you can't. I don't think it would fly. I just don't think it would fly.
0: Well but but before before we get too far in this conversation, the Enterprise incident was my number one. So we're in alignment here, but anyway, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll c- carry on. I just wanted to say it was, us,
2: but like, not anymore. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess what I'm saying is, if you I get were, nice, nice, Nick, nice.
1: Right, right. If you're, got, you know, first of all, you know that the big reveal when Kirk comes out as a Romulan would be something that that might get lost, but you'd have to, you'd have to swing it um, yeah. somehow, some way, because first of all, you know, removing uh, Nomad with a Styrofoam cap on it. <laughs> Is not that tricky, <laughs> uh, but. yes, police—they—they they would definitely update the cloaking device. <laughs> update the cloaking device. We're talking about something that we think is relatively sophisticated, and I think that's where Simon Pegg could really be funny if if he went over as you know in disguise as a romulan perhaps with kinza or something you, you know to to okay, take that, I see where to, you're going yeah, with that i see to take yeah. that apart and then reinstall it um and you know and, and in the meantime have have some fun space action i think it would be cool but let me circle back to me the um the intriguing part of it all would be Zachary quinto and a really strong you know um a-list female lead in that role, and you know, if, if it was, if it was done within the right time, uh, you could see Kate Mulgrew in that role. I mean, I, I just I don't know why it hit me like it did, but I was like, dang, you know, like I said, size, voice, stature, captain, the whole nine yards. I was like, man, this is this is another Janeway just as a Romulan, and it could be played that way. Uh, it'd be fun trying to pick an actress to do it too. And then you I, I,
2: I had one in mind. Well, how uh, about how about how about how about Kate Blanchett? Oh,
0: yeah. she'd be good. She already she yeah. has worn pointed ears before, so she. Right. Uh, so so my choice would have been Rosario Dawson, uh, because Rosario I know she Dawson. she's a huge Star Trek fan. She wants to be in Star Trek. She so said she you know be Klingon or whatever. Why not be a Romulan? Why not her be an alien commander? Right? And I would I would love to see her in in Star Trek at some point. I mean, she's a fan. She's on record as wanting to be in the movies or involved somehow. Let's get her in there, and I think that'd be a great role for her to
2: slide into. Like, like you were saying, Ken. I mean, I think that it's a great choice, just based on you know today. A lot of the big popular franchises are are trying to, you know, bring those franchises into modern times for the sake of you know as a commercial profit, but also I think you know as a, as to use them as platform to 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 really help us move forward. And I think that um, you're right. I mean, it's a great. That's a great episode to if you're going to transpose because it, it even back then showcased a strong, you know, female lead. And you could do even more today um, with, with that idea. Uh, And just from that perspective, I think it's a, it's a, it's a great idea. I think taking that idea and running with it, I think to go even further and you guys were talking about Scotty and the whole thing with, with uh, the cloaking device slash nomad, (laughs) um, (laughs) you gotta have, I mean, if if we're going to do that, that episode, then I want to see Jayla involved. Ah, because yeah. you know i i'm thinking i see you know the whole like to 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 not to bypass but to deal with the whole like how to get this technology that we we completely don't know at all and, and work it in 15 minutes um <laughs> you know, i totally I see something along the lines of the 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 you know that beat on beyond when they're they're on board the the franklin and they're patching the the whole the whole um short frequency thing and then Scotty's like, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. And of course, you know, Jayla's telling him the whole time, no, this is wrong. And then basically, like, you know, he doesn't have it. And then I think Uhura tells him, let her do it. And then, and then she basically fixes it in two seconds. You could use her being kind of this prodigal engineer, you know, last, as he calls her, who, you know, maybe Scotty actually, in this case, is not figuring it out because, because he can. And then Jayla comes in and, he's, and she's like, not like this, like that. And then, boom. And then, and then it worked.
1: Yeah. Well the, the other piece of it uh and I think pulling Jayla in boy I hope she comes back. Uh and I, I really do and and I hope she comes back as an enlisted person so they can get her back faster. Otherwise they got to wait 4 years for her to go through the academy. Yeah. But um one one of the things that I think would be really cool is um kind of rewriting the whole manipulation part. Uh, between Spock and the Romulan commander. I, I, I don't know if it has to be, you know, she just kind of falls in love or just gets so attracted that she, she, you know, misses her, her, takes her eye off the ball. It has to be more sophisticated than that. I think it could be a great element to a degree, and that could create a lot of great tension with Ahura when she finds out what's going on. So it, it could be it could be fun there.
0: Yeah, with Spock and her... They could play on the fact that there's not many Vulcans left, so Romulans are like the next best thing. They could, you know, that's a whole another angle from the Kelvin timeline. We're like, hey, you know, where where your more your brothers and the humans are, you know. So I mean, that's a, a even bigger deal for Spock now in the Kelvin timeline. So that 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 be, I would play up more that angle than the romance. Absolutely, that that needs to be updated.
1: And maybe his feelings towards the Romulans because of what they did.
0: Hmm. No, that's true. Yeah,
1: I think that I guess we can just
0: combine. <laughs> you and you and me here I'll just combine our your number two my number one discussion right right now I I picked this episode for my number one because I feel like I, I was trying to think like I want to see where I was talking about the enterprise gets beat up in all these movies right Uh, i want to see an actual space battle a a blow for blow space battle. i don't want to see two shots and it's over or uh, something like that so i was going down the list and i was thinking okay ultimate computer no those are constitution class ships fighting each other that's not going to translate well doomsday machine yeah you got a wrecked ship and then you can't really do anything the doomsday machine so it's not really a battle balance of terror is pretty close but it's again it's that like cat and mouse game pops out it shoots you it goes away it's not a true like all-out battle i'm thinking you tweak the story a little bit you know perhaps when the enterprise is getting away they're coming under heavy fire and they're having to actually defend themselves phasers are going off you know uh that kind of thing so that's what i'm visualizing to finally see you know a high-end space battle uh, for Star Trek featuring the original Enterprise, which we really haven't gotten to see. I know that everybody's like, oh, the Klingon War is coming up in one of these movies. Sure. You know, if for no other reason just to see an awesome space battle, I'd be all for that. Uh, but even in, you know, in Aaron and Mercy, they're going to fight, but they get stopped. So so I, I honed in on this episode just because I really like it. It's my favorite episode of the third season. So there you go. I did, I did one, two, three, after all, <laughs> uh, one from each season. But this one, for many reasons, but that's what really pushed you over the edge for me, trying to
1: really incorporate a space battle. Yeah, it would be neat. All right, Nick. Last cycle, buddy. For my number one, um, I, am, I am
2: so psyched, so happy that you guys actually picked um, that episode because I was really hoping. I was like, you know, I, I hope since it's only three, I, I'm not able to pick that one. So I hope one of these two guys picks it because I was like, then we could have what I think of in my head canon as a two-parter and this would be the sequel to it. Okay. Um, because I picked for my iconic one, "Balance of Terror." Okay. Um, there you go. There you go. I I was like, you know, and I was like, oh man, I wish, I wish, you know, if if this had been, if we had done like, you know, top top five, I would have definitely picked those two. But um.
0: Well, we got you covered, Nick.
2: <laughs> I know, it, it, right? Because now, now we have. There we go. We have our two our our two parter, and 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 it's it, it works it works even better if you think about it. I mean, that's that's why I always see these as sort of like one being the sequel of the other because. Because once you get to once you get to um the Enterprise incident, if if you've had Balance of Terror, which introduces the surprise um, at the revelation that Romulans and Vulcans are alike genetically and, and that they have a shared heritage, then you can play up even more, like you were you were saying, Ken, on on these these feelings that Spock has. Um, towards Romulans in general, you know, con- conflicted and so on with the commander. Um, but, you know, for, for, for um, balance of terror, I picked it because, so like I said, for, for one of the three, I wanted to have one of the big iconic, you know, episodes that usually end up on the top 10, if not top five fan favorites. Um, and um, it was, it, it, it was, it came down to between that one and the doomsday machine. And, and honestly the doomsday machine to me, and it, that's one of the things I was talking about with my friend this afternoon is so perfect mm-hmm. as it is that it, it, that gets to that point where I was like, that should just not, it's, it's, it's as if you told me, well, let's remake gone with the wind. You know, mm-hmm. there's just, there's really just no point. Right. Um, it is what it is and it should just stay what it is or citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. Um, and so doomsday machine is so perfect in every sense, every actor, every, you know, it's just, it, it there's no, you can't justify, um, Justify remaking it in, in my opinion. What I liked about um, about Balance of Terror is, like you were saying, Zach, um, the same, the same, the same thing that motivated you to pick uh, yesterday, uh, uh, Enterprise Incident is, is the ship to ship. Um, other than for Wrath of Khan, we still, in my opinion, um, there hasn't been a really good ship to ship movie um, or even battle in in any Star Trek movie since then. I mean, some of them look visually really cool. Um, six is close. Like the, I'd say dick. six
0: is close, but other than yeah,
2: that. It's close. Like, you know, like the, the idea, for example, like in the, the for, for Undiscovered Country, you know, on paper, if I was reading the script, I would say, oh, this is an awesome battle. This is, you know, what happens, like the motivation, who's where, doing what and why, it's great. And the way, you know, you have the, the, the kind of like, the enterprise sort of being being on the on the drawback because of the bird of prey, and then the excelsior comes in. But the execution in this particular case, I thought was was kind of underwhelming. wasn't wasn't quite as as good as it could have been. There, there. In some movies, it's the other way around. It's the execution is awesome. Visually, it looks cool, but the idea isn't great. And then, yes, I, I still think that it's it's lacking. You know, I want to see a big modern budget visual star trek ship to ship you know episode a story where it's one, one like, on one yeah 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 i want to see the enemy below you know but but in star trek today and and so i was like well this is to me the, the best the best tos story that has that um and so for the visuals, and I kept thinking of like things like you know *Hunt for Red October* and *Crimson Tide*, and and then just applying that those rules, and, and I was visualizing you know the, 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 uh, a Romulan bridge that would that would kind of have this sort of like you know subdued like red or blue lighting. Um,
0: does Ben Cross play the Romulan commander? <laughs> well, that would seal the deal for me.
1: <laughs> there you go.
0: Then there you go. Sign him on. Oh, but, but so how would the, so you think of the Kelvin timeline there, the whole Vulcan Romulan connection is not common knowledge now? Because I would think it would be right after the events of, you you're know, right. I mean, so you have to change that a little bit. Like it all still, it all still tracks, but there is the whole reveal isn't quite a reveal anymore.
2: You're right. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. I guess you, you definitely, you're right. You'd have to tweak if, you know, I think you can still play the, the racism angle, you know, even if they already know. Uh, it could be, it, it it could be somebody who's newly transferred to the enterprise. And when, when things are brought back to the surface with, with the, the, the Romulans that starts the whole conflict on the bridge with Spock. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you, you definitely, you're right. You definitely have to, um, if these take place in continuity, you know, like basically after the events that we've seen, uh, you, you definitely have to tweak that revelation.
0: And yeah, maybe their parents died on the Kelvin. Now, of course, Kirk has that same story, uh, so that might be redundant to have another character have that same backstory, but I'm not sure. So. It,
2: it could, or or you could just, I mean, he doesn't have to like, he doesn't have to bring it up and say me too, but I, that, that might also work to the advantage of the story because when he says, you know, there's no place for that on the bridge, you can, that gives even more weight to his words because, because you can say, you know, he, he went through the same thing and he mm-hmm. doesn't have that same, that same prejudice. So if he can get over it, then anyone can.
0: Yeah. It could work as a strength. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, one of the things they could do is, instead of knowing that it's a Romulan ship, the ship is a mystery ship, right? And it becomes a big reveal that it's Romulans. Something along those lines. I, I don't know it's that. Uh, and then, of course, you know, it touches off not only Spock's feelings, but this other guy's feelings, and you know, you could play with it that way. Uh, it, it could be, you know, just a a space station that's kind of in a, um, in a remote location, not exactly along the neutral zone or so, something along those lines so that you could still have that, what is going on here? Oh, it's Romulans. You know, it could be in this timeline. The only times they've ever seen them is when they took on, uh, Nero and his crew. And then it's almost a, a PTSD event for, for Spock and, and, and maybe for, um, uh, for the Navigator. Uh, cause, uh, you know, obviously, uh, Unfortunately, you do need a new navigator uh, so you know so there there's there's some there's some ways I think you could play with it, but you know this you know as people know that that have listened to uh, uh, the show that we did on this subject the um, uh, one sixteen this is my favorite episode you know so I would love to see this remade in the reboot time frame i I think it would be an absolute visual spectacle with some you know especially today you know what we, we you know I, I think we've come a long way in race relations but man you know have we ever been so divided and I and I think this you know that you could play that theme almost more than you could uh anything else and it would be super relevant and um and and, and kind of cool but yeah it, this would be a real fun ride and and yeah you know I I think you, you picked a good number one, Nick. This is uh this is, this would be a fun episode.
2: Thanks. Yeah. And I think, you know, Chris Bynes, he, he's really shown in beyond that if you give him the right material, he can definitely, he doesn't have to play kind of the, the bratty, you know, sort of uh, uh frat boy side of Kirk. He can definitely play up very well. The, the gravitas, you know, mm-hmm. side of Kirk, because that, that, that I think with time, you know the char- the character has become so iconic that a lot of times we sort of like caricature him and we see Kirk as this kind of like the cowboy but he is actually a very serious very serious and very by the book kind of officer mm-hmm. and and you know again i think Chris Pine and, and Simon Pegg and you know they definitely nailed that very well and beyond and and um that is one it's not the only one but one of the episodes that that really showcases that i think a lot in TOS and i think that would give uh pine a lot of material to, to, to really to show that to show that Kirk, you know, is maturing into okay. into an officer. He and he's he's good. It can still show, you know, him being good at kicking ass and and going to battle when he has to. But again, in this episode, it's it shows that he, he does it well when he has to, but he's someone who understands the gravity of what it is to actually have to fight and, and to destroy somebody and, and and kill people even when it's called on. It's not just the question of pushing a button.
1: Can never argue against balance of terror. So no, you can't. But what if the wedding at the beginning was Spock and Uhura, and we get real <laughs> drama at the end of this? So,
0: what, do we kill Spock at the end? Is that what we want to do now? Is that <laughs> he's got to get the mains back online to uh... so they can get out of know. there? Oh. I don't know. I that's don't a, know. that's uh, that's a good wrinkle there, Ken. I like that. I think regardless that maybe it really should be Spock and Uhura. That would be a nice way to because gosh, they've been they've been dating for years now. I mean, get, you know. Yep. Do something, guys. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you can even have, I mean, you know, I don't know, it depends how much you want to push, but you you could even have, you can twist it and you can have, uh, she doesn't have to stay dead, but it could be hura who actually, you know, has to sacrifice herself or or who gets who gets killed in the process. And then, you know, whether you choose to go the inner darkness route of, you know, she's dead for five minutes and then she's mm-hmm. back. She's
0: pulled Khan's blood out of the freezer and then she's good to go. Yeah. Exactly.
2: I, I kept a couple of drops. <laughs> yeah. In that trouble, where's that, that trouble? It's in that trouble. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we already talked about my number one because it was Kins number two, but my, my only, and we talked about it in pretty good detail. I think the only thing I would I would add is uh, the Enterprise incident is kind of Mission Impossible. On Star Trek, right, and Simon Pegg is in the Mission Impossible franchise, so who better to kind of capture some of that feel and infuse it into the Enterprise incident than uh, than Simon Pegg? Now, and I really like your 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 call there, Ken. I was thinking, oh yeah, we're gonna have Chris Pine and Poonanir. He's gonna go over there. He's gonna do it. Shatner did on the Enterprise incident. Having Scotty go over there as the Romulan, it would be so much better. So that's a great call. I just think about on uh, In the Darkness where he's running around the the Vengeance and he's having to talk to that security guard and just classic Simon Pegg stuff. That's uh. I would, I would love to see that. That'd be funny stuff, and see him, and him, and Jalen and Keeson all trying to get the thing to work. And because yeah, that, that's to me that is Scotty's most amazing achievement over his entire career, getting that cloaking device to work.
2: Now, now here's a question: Would Scotty, as a Romulan, would he be able to disguise his Scottish accent, or would he be a Romulan who's still like you can detect a little bit? Like he's trying to, but you can kind of hear a little bit of a of a of a Scottish twang there.
0: <laughs> they would definitely play for laughs. Yeah, they would definitely do that. Uh but but
2: that's the great thing at Scotty, I
0: mean, uh, they find that because even the original series, yeah, he was played for laughs, but then he was also serious because he took command when everybody else was gone, right? So he he means business. So even if they find that perfect balance even in the in the Kelvin timeline, especially with uh, Beyond where he, you know, he's serious, he's the one that goes and talks to Jayla. So so Scotty is such a great character because he can go, he has a foot in both camps, right? He's comic relief, but he can also be serious, and that's that's what's so great about his character and uh, and simon Pegg's great actor and could definitely handle it and i would love to see him try to impersonate a romulan and try to get by those guys on that ship
2: yeah that, that, that could definitely especially if he's if he's writing his own his own bits like he did for beyond you know i could <laughs> totally see himself writing some good stuff where where like you know like i said he's, he's trying he's trying to pull up not having the scottish accent but it's it's coming it's coming out you know despite himself mm-hmm. um and and peg you know like like you said did a great job in beyond with playing up the comedy in some scenes and then dialing it back, you know, when, when he's, when he goes to talk to Jayla later in the film, you really get, he, he's got this kind of like big brother, you know, thing coming on. And, and that's, that's Scotty kind of like having, and even before that, I think I did like one of the, one of the few things I liked in the darkness is, is Scotty being the voice of reason. And, and that, that, that to me, I thought was mm-hmm. one of the moments where I was like, yeah, this, this brings, the fourth Beetle, you yeah. know the yeah. way it yeah, exactly. was in TOS, where you had the big three, but then Scotty was also there when he needed to to kind of like step up, and he's the one who does that in, in the darkness.
0: It kinda break a stick in a bundle. <laughs>
2: that's right, that's my grand used to say. It's
0: <laughs> good, good stuff. Well, Ken, uh,
1: your moment of in the sun has arrived, my friend. What is your number one? A mock time. For a one-hour reboot remake, I would like to see a mock time. I really would. I think it'd be fun. I also want to see that fleet of starship parades around the planet. You know, when they pull away, uh, when they, they talk because it's all about that. But you know, it's it's just, uh, you know, it just it just cements the whole uh, bromance between between the two of them. And um, yeah, the fight would be fun. You know, I, I can't. I, you know, I can see balance of terror being epic I could see that being two hours easily there's a lot of things you could throw in there uh, for this would just be you know played a little bit differently in the Kelvin timeline there is no Vulcan anymore where are they going exactly uh, there's a lot of things that they could kind of divvy this up right because it's gonna be a an interesting issue because where do you go when when Far comes if you if you can't mate and you have to go home what happens And that could be. They did do an arc about
0: this in the IDW comic books. It was kind of an interesting approach.
1: So it was their own
0: take on a mock time in a way, but it was very, very different than the episode. But it it did address the question that you're posing here, Ken. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's. um, Yeah, for me, I just was trying to think of something that uh, that 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 could be done with this cast of characters that could be interesting. Um, How does Uhura react to that's right. right? yeah exactly. Just watching it all play out, I think would be fun. so that's it i, I, I you know the, the it's it's a relatively simple in terms of plot, but I think it could be played with quite a bit. and um you know plus the dynamic of him changing orders on Captain Kirk and trying to figure this whole thing out, you know, especially in the beginning could could really be interesting. And that's why I say you know with with everything we've brought up so far today, you can really tweak these plots quite a bit and um i think there's a lot of things you could fiddle with here
2: yeah you know you could uh, you brought up the destruction of vulcan and you could even work that into the story like instead of having it be a hurdle use it to the advantage of the story and Mm -hmm. you know how how spuck is sort of out of control almost and you can actually work that into into the story and in in work it into the vulcan spirituality that without the energy or the root sort of, you know, the source of their home planet, it makes it that much harder for him to maintain discipline and to, and to be able to get through it. Cause you get the sense in a mock time. I mean, obviously Spock is, is not like, he's not a teenager. He's not a kid. Right. So it's not the first time that he went through Pon Far. And so, you know, that to me, it, if you work an angle like that in the story, you could explain how maybe in the past he was able to get through it and this is the first time that he really can't because Vulcan is gone and now it's it's caused this break it's, you know something is like a, a ripple in the force to quote the other star <laughs> yeah. yeah they had a very
0: technobabble solution to this problem in the idw comics so i, I would hope and and if they if they truly remade this as an episode they would uh take a more original series style approach to it not not, not so much technobabble they don't have to you know the, the phase inducers and you know whatever, I, I love a mock time. I, it's probably my second favorite episode of the original series. So that, that's a good call, Ken. You can't go wrong. It, it, I talk about iconic, right? It can't get more iconic than Kirk and Spock fighting each other, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it's it, Nick made a great point when he was saying, you know, would you, would you remake Gone with the Wind? Is it perfect the way it is? And maybe that's true. I, I you know, I, I didn't think of it from that aspect, and that that's a good way of looking at it for this episode, but. I, you know, uh, you, you know. So you you got my head spinning when you made that comment. I'm like, geez, is it worth remaking? But I think you would have to change the story up. You'd have to figure out why it wouldn't work with Ahora. Um, how would you figure out Vulcan? Uh, and who could you know? Who could wind up being his wife or wind up being you know his quote unquote mate? Um, you know, could could that be um, Valeris? You know, we know she's bad. <laughs> you know i don't know just just a lot of things you could play with
0: that's true cuz trik might have died on vulcan
1: yeah and then you could have a pretty cool fight scene which you know they they in these new movies they they do kind of take that, those things to a whole new level and both spock and in into darkness and kirk in the last movie they they have some pretty good du going on
0: Oh yeah, I love the uh, Jayla, especially her martial arts skills. That was great to see. That just great fight choreography in uh, mm-hmm. the Kelvin timeline, Star Trek not not exactly known for its brilliant cry- fight choreography back in the day with its Kirk stunt boom. doubles and you know, uh, double fisted punches and flying kicks. But hey, it you know, gets the job done. So That's I said. you can also
2: work in you know, and you were um, I mean, you were talking about finding ways to 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 use the, the Kelvin timeline to to work out some of the kinks or or make the story work. I mean again, the destruction of Vulcan, maybe, maybe in this case, it's not about having an arranged marriage that, that has yet to happen. Maybe, I mean, you know, where Quinto with Spock in, in beyond basically is talking about, he's himself wondering whether he should leave Starfleet to go make little, little baby Vulcans as, as Bone says, well, maybe, 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 you know, he makes a decision that he's going to stay, but this could be a, in this story the Vulcan council has decided that there's so few Vulcans left that everybody has to kind of do their duty and, and get married to a Vulcan and make baby Vulcans. And maybe Vulcan calls him back and says, you know, you have to come marry such and such that we've picked for you because, you know, every Vulcan has to, to do their duty and maybe he's The logical, logical thing to do. Exactly. You know, so what do I do? Do I go with my human emotions or do I go with the logical thing?
1: Well, we could definitely play with that. All right. Any final thoughts, guys? First of all, Nick, I'll just say, great, great, great story idea. This has been fun.
0: Yeah, that was a, that was a great job, Nick. It's always fun to just, so we can just uh, fanboy out. <laughs> with right, these I
2: mean, that's stuff. what it's all about. <laughs> I'm so happy I was able to join in with you guys. Yeah, thank you.
0: Well, I look forward to uh, CBS receiving our podcast here and getting to work on these story ideas, and uh, I'm, sure I'm sure they'll pick one of these to be the plot of uh, Star Trek Four coming up. So...
1: <laughs> hey, why not? Why not? Crazier things that happened, right?
0: <laughs> oh man, no, no, that was a lot of fun. And hey, nobody picked. If we all had restraint, nobody picked sitting on the edge of forever. So good job. I I, I thought about where no man has gone before, but I mean, I, I I love it the way it is. And we 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 talked quite a bit in our episode on on our James R. Kirk episode uh can about uh that episode and, and what we might do to update it and things like that but uh you know I, we we touched on all the points we touched on the kelvin cast you know the the characters the new dynamic between them and how to use those we touched on you know uh personal one-on-one battles you know a hand-to-hand combat and then we talked about space battles as well so i mean that and then of course the high concept sci-fi stories of star trek as well so i, I feel like we hit all the areas and our remakes here we had just just a fun conversation so
1: yeah, it was a fun conversation. I enjoyed it, guys. A lot. Thank you.
2: Yeah, yeah, me too. And and you know, I mean, I guess for final thoughts for me, it was it would just be, you know, on the one hand, what I liked about about doing this is it just really shows. I mean, I was already sold on that idea, but it really shows you can see how I mean, yes, it requires tweaking and some, some logicking, but you really you really see how well integrated the reboot cast is into taking the mental of TOS that it's really, it doesn't take much to take some of the, the most iconic TOS stories and see how it's not about making them better or anything, you know, but how, how the reboot cast could, could add their own flavor and make it cool and interesting to watch. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you know, what I thought was awesome is it shows how, how awesome TOS is just based on how hard it was for me to pick whether, whether you want to say, you know, the most iconic, the biggest, the funniest, the best, because there were just, and I, I, you know, I, I love TOS. So it's not like this is news to me, but, but as I started to kind of think about it, I was like, Oh, this one, no, that one, no, no, this one, no, damn yeah, that one. And, and, you know, there's just so many awesome TOS stories, you know, and, and that hit all these angles, like you said, Zach. so that was, that was really kind of a, a cool refresher of what these things are.
0: Well, Making old episodes new again isn't the only thing we're discussing this week on Trek FM. Here's a quick look at some other things you may have missed elsewhere on the network.
1: Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. The more that we dive into the foundational things that make Star Trek what it is, this is probably one of the most important pieces of that puzzle. It really is. And Michelle Nichols, big, big, big part of that for obvious reasons. Warp 5 they think that it breaks continuity by
2: having them in there and it's it's it breaks established continuity and I felt that way as well the first few times that I watched this episode I was not happy to see the Ferengi in here I thought it was fan service I thought it was a little bit too much fan service and I also thought that it didn't make any sense because of what had been established in the last outpost and the battle the 602 club as much as I'd like to say yes because I love him and and um used to love this movie so much as a younger person i think no it doesn't stage nine a podcast about the people who make star trek he has worked with robert rodriguez he was rodriguez's cinematographer before rodriguez started shooting his own movies having worked with him on from dusk till dawn not the tv show from dusk till dawn the original Masterpiece. Maybe, okay, here's the, maybe the best. That, that's always uh, well, where we
0: go right off the rails
2: right okay. <laughs> you throwing in the word masterpiece right there.
1: And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So you can find us on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course you can always stream or download the MP3 file from our website at trek.fm and grab the RSS link as well. If you're an Apple user, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. That makes it easier for other listeners to find the show as they search iTunes and helps us increase our visibility for new listeners. If you would like to get in touch with us here at
0: trek.fm, you can always find us on trek.fm slash contact and look in the sidebar on the show page Or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at trekfm, facebook.com slash trekfm, and the Babel Conference. Type the Babel Conference, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at trek.fm and click Discussion on the menu bar.
1: So let me talk to you for a second about Patreon, Zach. Patreon is the program that Trek FM employs in order to get donations to keep the network coming to you commercial free. It is wonderful. Most of the hosts here on Trek FM are big contributors to Patreon and found our way onto the network through Patreon. So if you can uh, spare any money, uh, and we don't care what the denomination is, It really means a lot to us because there is a lot of content that we're putting up there, a lot of bandwidth, a lot of programming, a lot of equipment that we need. So please, if you can help us out, we'd appreciate it. And all you have to do is go to patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash trackfm, and you you can click any donation you want. And we do have some incentives for you. So... For $15 a month, you get to join the Patrons Roundtable where you podcast and, and, you know, again, that is where a lot of us started. It was on the roundtable. I was on the very first one. I had a blast. And if you can contribute $25 or more per month, then you get associate producer credits for whatever show you like. And we love our associate producers. So. Please, 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 please. If you if you have the ability, it is more than appreciated. And speaking of our associate producers, thank you from the bottom of our hearts to Renee Roberts, Aaron Harvey, Nicholas Anastasio, and of course Norman Lau. Thank you all for your support of Standard Orbit and Trek FM through Patreon. Now you can find Renee at Twitter at Emris underscore 1701. You can find our buddy Aaron Harvey at Geek Filter. You can find Norman Lau at at Starfighter1701, and you can you can uh, interact with Nick and all of us on the Babel Conference, and that's that's where we find uh, Nick hanging out all the time. Yeah, you can find me on the Babel Conference. I love to hang out there. And you can reach me through Facebook directly or via Twitter. My handle is at BostonSCPO. That stands for Senior Chief Petty Officer.
0: As for me, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach, that's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H, and I'm also the host of my own podcast called Always Hold On to Smallville, where we talk about each and every episode of that Young Superman show from the early 2000s, and we're on Twitter at AlwaysMallville, with one S. And also, I'm around the Babel Conference as well, it's always great to talk to you guys on there, making conversation about our shows, other shows, general Star Trek topics, anything really, on there. So thanks for listening, everyone. And join us again next time here on Trek.fm for another episode of Standard Orbit.